They're going to be so mad when they find out the second episode isn't about movies. Who's they? <laughs> Why would they expect that? You are listening to Priority, a podcast about choices, limitations, and getting stuff done. Priority is hosted by Katie Leibman and her brother Max Leibman. That's me. Today's episode is entitled A Montage of Montages. And our subject is the film Groundhog Day. So, spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about the film Groundhog Day. For complete show notes, including links to everything we discuss on today's episode, visit us online at priority.fm slash one. Make sure I got all my notes. I took one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen pages of handwritten notes. Good lord. Yeah, I suppose I was surprised I didn't have more. So I actually watched it twice, which just seems super appropriate. <laughs> um, I like your way, too, of doing it right before the conversation. Mm-hmm. I think it has the same effect. So I think yeah. we... I think if I had it to do over and I, we had thought of this sooner, <laughs> if I had it, to, had do it over, to do over. Oh, boy. Oh, um, yes, if, if I did have it to do over, though, um, not hundreds of times, but just once. Uh, I probably would have done as you did and watched it a couple of times, um, because I think I would have liked to just watch it without taking notes. And I think I would have Mm -hmm. taken fewer notes. Um, because I, I think, I think Mm -hmm. even though I have seen this movie dozens of times, I, I think setting out, it's been just long enough since the last time I saw it that I'm, I wasn't really positive exactly what were going to be the things that were going to be important to me. Uh, so before we dive into the content of the movie, do you have any opening remarks? <laughs> opening remarks. Um, it's a great film. I love this film. Um, yeah. I don't know. Do you have something in mind? Um, I could I could give my opening statements first, <laughs> if you'd prefer. <laughs> sure. One thing I want to I want to echo what you said about being it being a great film. I think Groundhog Day is definitely in my all time top ten of movies, possibly my all time mm. top five. Uh, mm. Even though I realized watching it this time through, I haven't actually watched it in two or three years. But uh, it is it is one of my all time favorite movies. Um, I really really like this movie. One thing that I don't think ever occurred to me before this viewing is exactly how long uh, Phil is stuck in the time loop. <laughs> no, I did some research because I had never I I thought loosely that if I wanted to I could track it. Mm-hmm. Which which you know that's how estimations are made as right, people right. watch for it. Um but then I've also I don't so so did you pursue that? Did you No, I did not. I in in fact it didn't even occur to me to wonder until in between my two viewing sessions. Uh, I actually listened to yeah, yeah. The Incomparable, uh, number 71, where they talk briefly about Groundhog Day. Uh, Andy Anatko, uh, I believe, is the one who mentions it. He says that Harold Ramis has said, and I've, I've found this online as well after that, uh, mm-hmm. that it was 10 years. Has he? And, hmm. <laughs> worse, in later interviews, he apparently has said that he thinks that might even be too too little. Like, it might actually be more like... 30 or 40 years because it takes 10 years to get good at anything and, you know, to allow time for uh, downtime and depressed time and running down the wrong trail here and there. 
Um, my mm. impression as a, as a kid was always like weeks or months. Um, mm-hmm. and watching it this time, like even watching the second half after having heard the, the comments about it being 10 years, I still, I still feel at the end, like 10 years is a little much, but yeah. So in my, and I just was looking at, um, an amalgamation of comments and factoids, um, from imdb.com. So on its, uh, uh, interesting trivia or, or whatever they call that section. Um, I found a couple of figures. So one was saying that, um, the days that we know of the repetitions that we know of that are depicted at least in part is something like 38 days. Um, I don't know if that figure includes days that are alluded to. So for instance, I'm thinking of the moment where he's recounting the types of ways he's died. Mm -hmm. And there are more than than what we see. Yeah. So I don't know if those, that type of information is included in the 38, but I believe 38. Well, Um, and there's, there's, there are other things, other days alluded to in sort of a serial fashion. Like he talks about how many times he's seen Heidi too. Um, when they're going to the movie theater, and I, I forget the figure oh. he names, but like it, it's more than thirty-eight. Oh so God. that right there blows thirty-eight out of the water, especially since we know several days he didn't go see it. Yeah. So then I saw some other estimations, and it was the same sort of thing, like yeah. what you mentioned. It was people projecting based on the types of knowledge and expertise he had gained, mm-hmm. and the estimations were anywhere. And this fits with what you are remembering. Ramus said. Um, it was anywhere from eight years to thirty-four. Yeah, um, yeah, and that I, I uh, Danny Rubin, who was who co-wrote it, um, uh-huh. said like there's something like twenty-three days represented in the film, but it lasted ten thousand years, which I think is is crazy. Um, in the original script, and, uh, that I think I don't know if that was original because there were there were some changes from the original script. I also learned about yeah, it yeah. in the run up to this. Mm-hmm. I think all of them for the better. Um, yeah. Uh, it, yeah, and that's um, and that would actually lead into my next. As I said, my next opening remark comment is: I was really surprised on this viewing that I was really watching it of the economy of it. And mm. there's nothing. There aren't any specific scenes or lines I remembered that I didn't see. Like I haven't accidentally inserted anything or combined anything in my memory. Mm. But I kept feeling like as the plot was moving forward, I was like, really? Was that really all there was between, you know, that that last act and this one? Was that really mm-hmm. all there was in that montage? And so many of the montages, I remember, you know, uh, the, the whole movie is about repetition. And I kind of, I, I even though I've seen <laughs> it many times, I feel like some of them went on and on with more things. But usually, I think almost all of like the montages of, okay, now he's killing himself. There's usually around three things. And then mm-hmm. they move on. I'm thinking of the the slaps he receives um, in quick six section. Right, we we saw um, more slaps. Um, yeah, but we didn't. We also did not see very many iterations of any one part of that night. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. we would see him get it wrong and move forward. And I think we only saw him get it wrong and move forward three times, uh, for that matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I'm thinking about because um, I agree with you because there's also no. Um, uh, un- I'm trying to think of the word unnecessary um, showing where it could just as well have been a montage. Mm-hmm. I felt engaged throughout, which tells me, um, yeah, that everything that was there was serving a purpose. Right, um, right. There, there's because never, nothing led me to think otherwise. Yeah, there's never a moment where we're left to say, oh, I get the gist, move on. 
Mm-hmm. And on the economy angle, when they arrive in Punxsutawney and, uh, and, and, you know, the clock flips over for the first time, the movie's only been going for seven and a half minutes. And in seven mm-hmm. and a half minutes, we already know who all the major players are, you know. Yeah. We've, we've yeah. established our Ebenezer Scrooge figure and we're ready to go. Mm-hmm. Well, shoot. Okay, so here was my first realization um, and I tried to uh, do some minute marking so that I would remember where it was. Um, they start doing that, that scene setting, that giving you the, the, the hints of everything you need from the first minute. So as soon as the opening credits are, are done and we get away from the uh, changing, changing clouds in the sky and we get uh, Bill Murray's voice coming in and he comes on screen... Mm-hmm. Um, in the first minute, it's right around the first minute mark, he says, where do I want to be? That's good. I, d- I didn't catch that. Oh, but my now God. now that you're saying it, and yeah. It, yeah, and I think that was the benefit of it being a second, <laughs> a second yeah. watching in quick su- succession I, because the topics were already in my head. Right. And when I heard it, I thought, oh, my God, they start the movie from – I mean – not just scene setting, like, here's who he is. The first, we're the first thing we get, we're not even man. seeing him. We hear him saying, mm-hmm. where do I, oh, that's good. See, in that scene, I was I was just looking out for one of my favorite lines in the whole movie. What does that mm-hmm. mean for us in the Three Rivers area? One of these big blue things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, when he first starts, you don't know if he's just goofing around or if he's actually on camera. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, because yeah. he's I, Bill Murray. I, thought it was, Bill Murray. I, I also thought it was interesting filmmaking. And again, something I wouldn't expect today, that we start with him on the blue screen and then we see the composite that's going out. I think most movies we would see him like doing the weatherman thing with the country and the weather filled in around him. We'd see the composite and then see him against the blue screen. Mm-hmm. So are you saying you appreciate it? Oh, that? yeah. I think, it's, I think it's a really nice touch. Um, mm-hmm. and last, last thing, and then we're kind of already drifting into the first scenes. So <laughs> before we get to chronology and in case mm-hmm. you have any other overall opening remarks, my last opening remark, um, I, w- I was thinking a lot about, um, especially after our last conversation, uh, when we talked about the manipulation about how terrible <laughs> of a person he is. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I personally, I was thinking about that watching this, this time, and I was expecting to be a little bit more in this mindset given the last year of history and, you know, news and feminism and Gamergate and stuff like that. Um, mm. I was expecting to be super conscious of that stuff and, and, you know, um, mm-hmm. for more of the film's gender politics to be, to, I was expecting the gender politics to feel more anachronistic than they did. Um, but in the end, I ultimately mm-hmm. decided that they work really well because it's totally okay that he's a terrible person because it's a Christmas carol, you know? He is he is Scrooge. <laughs> no, no, Groundhog Day. How many times do we have to talk about this? <laughs> oh, and that's not a that's, Christmas. That's movie. my my uh, opening <laughs> remark. I forgot to write down here is right, the right, funny right. thing that I find about this movie is, uh, and I do know people who watch it around Christmas, but I I I have known more than one person to make the mistake, like not having seen the movie in a while, of thinking it's a Christmas movie. Probably mm-hmm. because of the snow and the fact that there's, I think there's some lights up in some of the scenes. But anyhow, yeah. I was, because I, I mm-hmm. was recounting that fact several years ago at some holiday gathering, and and uh, a member of our own immediate family said, "Well, yeah, it is. Of course, it's a Christmas movie." <laughs> it's like, no, it's <laughs> it's in you, February. Yeah. <laughs> the title is a holiday in February. Indeed. 
Um, but the crux of the plot, well, sort of, is a snowstorm. Mm-hmm. They can't leave because there's a snowstorm. Right, there is a snowstorm. It is kind of Christmassy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, small town, old-timey, home, homey, you know. Um, mm-hmm. A goofy tradition. Goofy tradition. <laughs> so before we uh, jump into the chronology such as it is, um, <laughs> yeah, so to your point about the the gender dynamics, um I and maybe it's because on my last rewatching of Ghostbusters, I was much more sensitive to it than I had ever been. <laughs> maybe I was also I was also um, sort of not expecting to be pleased about this rewatching mm-hmm. of particular moments. I, I'm thinking of a couple scenes in particular, but at the same time, um, because I came to these viewings with a more critical eye, which was a great exercise. I mean, just in general. Oh sure. Um, it's it's neat to come back to things with a different lens. Um, Why do you think I listen and re-listen to four-hour incomparable episodes tearing apart oh, Star absolutely. Wars? <laughs> well, here's the thing, and this goes for any consumption, any any process of consumption. You are a different person every time you come back to it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely true. Um, so yeah, so I I agree that it was not as intense, and also in light of what the what the characters are trying to do, or rather what what all these performers are trying to do with the characters. Um, the moments that were where he was being despicable, it's because he's despicable. Right. Not because we are saying this is how people ought to be. Right. It's not like in Ghostbusters. Yeah. And I love Ghostbusters. And yes. I love Peter yes, Bankman. Yes, yes, I really do. Mm-hmm. But it's not like in Ghostbusters where he's a sleazy womanizer and we're supposed to cheer for him despite the fact that he's a sleazy womanizer. And Dana falls for him. Right. And they're magically together. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So I just, yeah, I just wanted to uh, respond to yeah. that. And then overall, and I think this gets at what you were saying too, um, I think the, this film gives the viewer a lot of credit. Um, oh, huge. To be paint. So what you were saying about the economy of everything, um, they pace things in such a way that they know they're giving you enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are, like you're saying. Um, and they also, I was noticing lots of little tiny things, um, those nice touches you were talking about, um, that a fan gets to appreciate because you, you see new things each time. So I'm thinking of a uh, tiny, tiny detail. Uh, the first time uh, Phil orders the sweet vermouth because he knows that she likes it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he messes up the prayer for world peace, takes a sip, realizes he thinks it's gross, mm-hmm. <laughs> and makes the tiniest grimace that turns into a smile because she looks up at him. Right, right. I had never noticed it, but even you know, it's it's that, funny you say that because thing. I didn't I didn't actually notice that at all this time through. I think I was probably looking down and writing a note at that moment because I I, I sure. can picture it in my head, but I'm sure I didn't see it this time. Mm-hmm. But I think I'd previously interpreted that as him. Um, grimacing because he's realized he's screwed up, like like the toast. Not not mm. because it's the drink, but as I'm picturing in my head, mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think it's the drink. I think it's it would make sense either way. Mm-hmm. I think it's funnier if it's the drink. Oh oh, totally. And and knowing yeah. knowing Harold Ramis and Bill Murray, I'm sure that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. So I think to what you were saying, my my other global comment for now is. Um, we're given a lot of credit and we are given uh, enough to be entertained by and to think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. Sweet. And uh, on the credit score, uh, not the credit score, I guess. This isn't, <laughs> this isn't a free credit report. How do you have my credit information? <laughs> Brought to you by... I will need your social security number, date of birth, and... Um, Let's put it on the air. But uh, on on the subject of credit, um, uh, and again, I'm I'm stealing. I'm just recounting that incomparable episode. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, this isn't going to be me, Max talking about other podcasts the whole episode. Um, yeah. Right. The one other thing they said about the about the movie that I think is exactly right is what you're saying that it gives gives the audience a lot of credit. And and uh, one of the changes that was made um, was. To take out any reason or mechanism by which Bill Murray ends up stuck in this day, because oh yeah, and oh, and yeah. I don't know who to credit this with. If it was it was Danny Rubin late in the writing process, if it was Harold Ramis while they're making it, uh, even if it was on the editing room floor. But at some point, somebody figured out the audience isn't going to care, which is actually kind of bold. Um, and I, mm-hmm. I, you don't have the option to care, right? Now. I think I think it was nice that the filmmakers took that risk and assumed the audience would be smart enough, you know, and and into the plot enough not to care. And it, I think it, the gamble paid off. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, that's a good place to start, though. They don't explain how we get here, <laughs> but we're here. Mm-hmm. Uh, literally, the first thing I wrote down is at the end of the newscast when she's saying, "This is your third year going to Puxatani." And Phil says, four, Dan. Four. Oh, it's so painful. And you just, you feel the loathing both for Nan and for um, Puxatani. Mm-hmm. And his life. <laughs> yeah, which... I mean, we know, we know right away um, his career seems to both annoy the hell out of him and be the thing that he wants to improve. Right. It's, it is the most important thing in his life, and he hates it. Mm-hmm. Very, very well established. The other note I have about this, I didn't write this down when we were here, um, but I remembered later in the movie. Uh, so jumping way ahead um, on what I call the day of truth, uh, when he, not the first time he tells Rita what's going on, but the one where he really tells her what's going on and she stays with him, and he like mm-hmm. he bears his soul to her in the middle of the night when she's asleep. Um, yeah, yeah. He says that that he loved her from the first time he saw her, and it it you know changed something in him, and yada yada yada. Yeah. And I think I think that is not in evidence in this first scene. Um, I didn't have time to go back and look at it, but even even in mm-hmm. the van when he's like sparring with her, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I I don't think there's anything flirtatious about it. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's all he was capable of at that point. Yeah, that could be. That could. You be. know what I mean? So that in in retrospect. That once over, I I think he does because he's talking to his day long replacement about her, mm-hmm. and Phil does look over and he does a sort of eye dart once over, mm-hmm. um, and that's the only thing I could really read into. Um, so maybe in hindsight, um, the fact that he didn't hate her from the beginning was his version of mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> his that, capacity that to like someone. That could be. Yeah. No. So. I mean, do you think that line when he says, I, you know, I love you and, or, you know, I I don't deserve you, but I think I could, yada, yada, yada. Mm. Do you think he can't have meant it? Later, later when he says it on the day of truth? Yeah. No, I think, I think he totally (laughs) meant it on the day of truth. I just, I just, Mm -hmm. I find it, 
I don't know. And it's, of course, I would also assume he is not the world's most self-aware man at the beginning of the film, so I suppose it's very possible that he did and he only realized it later. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Maybe his his general capacity for that type of thinking was much lower then. I don't know. Yeah, no, I I have a little resistance to it, but it he plays that that scene in those couple of lines uh, in such a heartfelt way that I think Bill Murray did the best with those lines he could to make me believe them. Oh, I, I, I that's the thing. I, I totally believe them in that scene. And I don't think it yeah, has ever, but then, I don't think it ever occurred to yeah. me before to question it. Um, but it, like we talked about, you know, putting a critical eye on it this time. Um, right. when we, by the time we'd gotten there, I was like, mm-hmm. mm, I don't know if Did that's, you? <laughs> I, I think, hey, mister, I think you got you a are, funny way of expressing it. <laughs> Phil, I think you are asserting facts, not in evidence. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. But anyhow. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Day of truth. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So, uh, driving scene, we get into Puxatani. Um, I, uh, it's a little background detail, I, but I love it. As they're driving in, you see, um, like, police or city officials or somebody, like, putting up parade barricades. It's like, yeah, this is, yeah. This is a town that's about to have mm-hmm. a festival. Mm-hmm. At Gobbler's Knob. Gobbler's Knob. <laughs> One thing I have to mention, uh, if only sort of self-indulgently, because you will appreciate this, but maybe the listeners will too. It t- I think it <laughs> says something about us. Mm. Um, when I watched, um, it was the first or second appearance of Ned Ryerson. Um, <laughs> when he does the, <laughs> am I right or am I right? Or am I right? Mm-hmm. Or am I right? Mm-hmm. Um, one of those just grating little verbal whatevers. Um, I realized, um, (laughs) well, it was a very, a very, um, uh, striking, but familiar feeling. Um, (laughs) so I, what I realized was that I do that sometimes in that manner. And I had completely forgotten that that's where I got it from. So when I'm joking with people and I'm overemphasizing something funny, I've said, I will say, am I right or am I right? Or am I right? Or am I right? Um, <laughs> and this is this is from I, whence it comes. Yes. And I, if someone had asked me, like, why do I do that? I was like, I don't know. Maybe one time I heard somebody say because it Because of the life. coolest guy in Punxsutawney. <laughs> <laughs> Ned Ryerson? Yeah. So I, I had that that sensation. and But then, okay, so here's the, the, the meta feeling. When I was 17 years old. I watched Caddyshack for the first time, and <laughs> I know where this is going. My, yes, you do. Um, which again, so this is sort of for us, but also for you know, it's telling. Sure. Um, and part of my world crumbled because I realized that certain verbal habits of our father that I had always understood as being characteristic of him <laughs> were goddamn quotations from the movie Caddyshack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These. These were things that he was just had been repeating for for two dozen years, um, and that's why they are part of his um, just his repertoire and his personality. Yeah. Oh, um, totally. And I just I just blew it all out of the water. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what that says about us or anyone in the world. It's just that's what happened when I 
when good old Nettie is walking <laughs> down the street. Yeah, one thing I wanna I wanna note um, that I I I think about. I tried to put myself back in the shoes of my of watching this for the first time when I was. Uh, I don't know, 14 or 15, whenever I think I was 15 mm. when it came out. So it's probably around 16 the first time I saw it. Cause I didn't see it in the theater. Um, and I might not have even seen the beginning the first time I watched it. I, <laughs> I don't remember. Um, but so I, I mentioned earlier, like at seven minutes and 36 seconds or thereabouts, the clock flips over and he wakes up the first time on Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. And that's really early in the movie. Um, to get going, but it occurs to me, to most people watching the first time, I don't know that they know that they just saw the plot actually start. Like, they, I don't know how many people would have realized, okay, now he's in a loop. From here on out, totally. like, this is the beginning. Because right. that first day seems completely normal. You know, he's going through it mm-hmm. the first time. But, yeah. I mean, in my mind, and I think that's why they show the clock flip over the first day, just like they will on subsequent days, because they are establishing, like, he's now in it. It has begun. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, it's, it's not till maybe 20 minutes or 30 minutes in that we'll get to the second day and realize, you know, along with him yeah. <laughs> what is happening. Now I assume in the previews, I remember scenes from commercials of, of the clock flipping and the radio saying it's groundhog day and Bill Murray sits up and, you know, so maybe people noticed and caught it and it was like, ah, here we go. But this time I definitely said to myself, mm-hmm. here we go. It's already started. But your brain does something different when you see stuff for the first time. So you need to meet Ned Ryerson and you need to watch the broadcast from Gobbler's Knob. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's still, even if you know we've started the loop, the first time through you're just absorbing. Right, right. Well, and he doesn't doesn't know he's in the loop yet. Um, Right, right. And even even me knowing we're in the loop, yeah, yeah, we're still meeting people for the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, I had forgotten that from the very beginning he was seeing the old man on the corner every day. Oh, yeah. Which mm-hmm. is also very important. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I also, I, uh, his scene in uh, it with with the proprietor of the bed and breakfast uh, at the <laughs> yeah. buffet. That poor woman. <laughs> Did you want to talk about the weather or were you just making chit-chat? Um, he is such a dick to her, but at the same time, that bit, I actually kind of, I like that in a way. I wouldn't say I quite admire him for doing it because he just ruined her day for no reason. You know, she's trying to make chit chat about the weather, you know, be a good hostess. And and he's like, he goes into his weatherman shtick and spends two minutes like schooling her on what's going to go on with the weather. And then says, Mm -hmm. you know, did you want to talk about the weather or were you just making chit chat? Right. So, I mean, it doesn't help her. No, it doesn't. it's the thing, that... right? And she had no way of knowing that, uh, and right. and it's it is a total dick move. I don't want to I don't want to say that I don't think it is, uh, but on the other hand, there's a bit of me that likes that because it's kind of um, we've we've talked before about people like you know talking to a writer and being like, oh, I had an idea for a novel, <laughs> you know, yeah, talking yeah. like like what somebody else does, you know, isn't that complicated and isn't that big of a deal, right. and that's not what she was doing. That's not at all. But mm-hmm. I I do find it even though again he's not <laughs> he's not being very nice to her. I do like the <laughs> fact that he is in command of his field. He has talents and he doesn't want to just, you know, uh, he he doesn't want to act like this is just a normal thing people talk about. Like this is his life and he knows mm-hmm. what he's talking about and is mm-hmm. like if you want to talk to me professionally about what I do great, if not, you know, let's move on. Well, here's the thing too and I know they are um, you know, east of where we are. Um, but as as a Midwesterner, 
Um, I'm thinking about the, the ways that, especially in the Midwest, um, we have this sensitivity to conflict um, you know, our, our new ridiculous catchphrase or whatever is Nebraska nice, which is the absolute mm. gross because that's what people say when they're talking about the way that Nebraskans won't confront problems and talk about their feelings, mm-hmm. <laughs> the way that we close off and smile, you know, that is, um, not a terribly helpful personality trait of many Midwesterners, I think, that sort of characterizes this region. And I'm not just speaking from my my own bias. I'm one myself. Um, but I hear this a lot from folks from other places. But anyway, so, so what I'm thinking about Phil is um, harsh people have a way of being really refreshing because they're more prone to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Don't you, don't you well, think that sort of explains I, I think, it? Yeah. And I think that you say, as you say that, I'm thinking of like Gregory House, you know? Mm-hmm. And anyhow, I, because, I got the mm-hmm. I got the tiniest, mm-hmm. it, it was a total dick move and it was just meant to establish that <laughs> he is a jackass. But I, I still, I felt the tiniest bit of that in this scene. Mm. Yeah. And he, and at least we see different, you know, Phil's dynamic. He's not just total jerk entire time. Right. Because I'm thinking of, the ways that he tries to wrap up the conversation with Ned Ryerson Mm -hmm. yet again, Um, he does some really normal, savvy conversational moves to wrap that up and get the hell out of there, you know? Right. And you can't fault him for that. No, totally. Totally. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And (laughs) uh, something else I I, I meant to go back, even if I wasn't going to watch it twice, I meant to go back and, and double check this. I think, so the first day he steps off the curb after he finally disengages from Ned and plunk into mm-hmm. the, what appears to be a foot-deep pothole. Um, yes. Then the second day, even though he's kind of rushing through the conversation and it's a different conversation, he does the same thing again. I think on the second he day he does it with his other foot, which, oh, that's if that's hilarious. right, I think is a, is a nice touch. Um, yeah. I noticed yeah, I it going through and I was like, oh, I think that's the other foot, but I I didn't go back and, and double check, so apologies if I'm getting The puddle. Wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The puddles on the other yeah, foot. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I also, one other thing I like is when he starts to feign remembering Ned. Um, yeah. I was struck by the parallel of that later when, when he's, you know, he collected trivia from Nancy the day before. And then he's he's mm-hmm. pretending like he's an old classmate of hers. And she does the same thing to him. No, that's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and again, um, that parallelism again, gives the viewer a lot of credit. Right. Um, yeah, that's super cool. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So then we arrive at Gobbler's Knob for the first time. Um, also, a f- funny note about Gobbler's Knob, the photo uh, on the Wikipedia page for Groundhog Day, the the thing, <laughs> the holiday, uh, rather than Groundhog Day, the movie, uh, which is at the actual Gobbler's Knob, um, it, it, it looks, even though it was taken, I think a couple decades after the movie or a decade after the movie, anyhow, uh, it looks an awful lot like the scene and the setting and the people who are doing the groundhog hoisting, um, <laughs> just the way they're dressed though. I thought for a second it was, a, it was a shot from the movie, but it is not. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I wonder which informed the other though, uh, as, as I understand it, the actual gobbler's knob and the actual groundhog club inform the movie. Uh, and in fact, they're thanked at the end of the credits. Mm-hmm. Um, Puxitani and, and the Groundhog Club. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we arrive, poker music is going. Rita spots Phil, and Phil is very funny on camera. 
and off-camera. I like his off-camera comments almost better. Uh, they talk to the <laughs> rat, the rat talks back. <laughs> and then, of course, the one of the best on-camera lines of the whole movie. This is one time when television fails to capture the true excitement of a large squirrel predicting the weather. <laughs> Which is fabulous. Um, they we're trying to get out of town... Phil yet does not yet believe in the blizzard because he makes the weather as he tells the state trooper. Um, and then I I did note I just saw I did note the time so eighteen twenty eighteen minutes and twenty seconds into the movie the <laughs> clock flips for the second time mm-hmm. and now we are definitely in the loop right um, yeah it, and we spend about a minute as he's listening to the radio and realizing. Something is very weird. He looks out the window, sees that the snow is not there, and then looks horrified when the DJs get up to saying, It's Groundhog Day! Mm-hmm. Well, on the second time, though, at first he just sort of berates them. Right, right, the, yeah. It, the he same doesn't, tape he doesn't again immediately. Like, it's not until they say, It's Groundhog yeah. Day, and he's looked outside and saw the street mm-hmm. and said, What the hell? Right. Like, he doesn't realize <laughs> immediately go? what's going on. He thinks he's just hearing a mm-hmm. tape. Um, mm-hmm. I also like that I forever thought that one of the DJs was Brian Doyle Murray. Do you know that it's it not? It is not. Um, at least according to Wikipedia, it is not. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought, I thought, no, I know, I I know obviously he plays Buster, mm-hmm. um, you know, the head of the, the groundhog. Um, mm-hmm. I always thought he was the mayor, but he might just be like in charge of the groundhog club. I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know that we're, that we are told. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But he plays Buster, um, uh, Bill Murray's older brother does, but I always thought he was one of the voices on the radio as well. Yeah, no, and I could see them doing that too. Um, so I'd, I'd believe that either way. Yeah. So we're on the second morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that this is this is a very humanizing moment. He's way nicer to uh, the proprietor of the bed and breakfast now that he's good and freaked out. <laughs> Naturally. Mm-hmm. He asks somebody where they're going, and then, then we hear the name Gobbler's Knob, which that might be the first time that's actually mentioned. Um, I remember snickering at that as a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> and then the Ned Ryerson, this I noted, um, so Ned, he runs into Ned Ryerson on the street again, um, and this is the first time he uses his advanced knowledge. Um I think it's kind of off the cuff and he doesn't even think about doing it, but he's, you know, he recognizes him and he's like Ned Ryerson before Ryerson can even, mm-hmm. you know, make him guess. Um, mm-hmm. And again, it's, it's, it's the economy. It gets right in, you know, they get right into it and keep it moving forward. Um, again, I think he sticks the opposite foot in the puddle today. <laughs> uh, his delivery on TV is pretty shaky. And, <laughs> um, I, I forget, I think this might be the conversation where he gets hung up on, uh, I think he's on the phone back at the bed and breakfast and he says, well, what if there is no tomorrow? There wasn't one today. Mm-hmm. I think that's the one where then he goes, hello. <laughs> Cause he's been hung up on. Uh, and then he ends the, th- the second day in the loop with the broken pencil test. Yeah. 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 Which I had forgotten about. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, and again, it's it's um, 
Uh, it's clear, even to somebody who, who is watching for the first time, didn't see any previews, didn't understand the significance of the clock flipping over the first day. Like, they know now exactly what's going on, and they know the rules of the movie. Right. Yeah, and that he's aware of it. He's going to be reacting to it. We know that that's what's going to be driving the plot is him figuring out how this works. Yeah, and I I think that's also one advantage structurally of the movie I'm thinking about now as we're going through it is um, one of the advantages of of this script is you're going to get to show things over and over again. So that might be part of why they spend very little time establishing. You know, there's there's not yeah, much point to yeah. it. You're going to see it again and mm-hmm. again and again. Mm-hmm. And it's not so many uh, types of scenes that we need to be reminded of what we've already seen. You know, there are certain characters that come up again and again, but it's not so many that we can't keep track of which is which. Trying to figure out where I was on my notes. I think it's at the end. I think it's the beginning of day three. He just looks sick in the morning. Mm-hmm. Like he looks haunted and nauseous and just yeah visibly Gross. shaken. Like like. Mm-hmm. Um. So one interesting detail I caught on day three. Um. He skips through or over chit chat three times uh-huh. with people that he runs into. He rushes past the guy in the hall. He rushes past, uh, and I, I can't believe I can't remember her name, but the the again the proprietor of the bed and breakfast. Mm-hmm. He rushes past Ned, um, but he seems to arrive at Gobbler's Knob at the exact same moment to the same because <laughs> Rita says Phil over here, uh-huh. you know, and then whatever she says every day that there you are. Where have you been? You know, mm-hmm. and straightens his, his scarf like she does every yeah. day, um, which actually is something that, that uh, on this watching occurred to me. She straightens his scarf every day, and it's probably just a producery thing, you know, like making sure mm-hmm. that the guy that's going to go in front of the camera looks right yeah. after he rushed down the street to get to you. But the way she does it and the fact that she's doing it every day, even though it's just one day to her, like that mm-hmm. still almost feels to me like it's a little little hint like, you know. She might she might actually, despite what she thinks of this guy, like this guy more than she's willing mm-hmm. to admit to herself, too. Well, something I noticed throughout is she is extremely uh, just sort of mild-mannered. Even when he is being the biggest jerk, she will be just laughing and rolling her eyes. She or keeps at least, her cool. Yeah, but she, she almost seems to find him amusing mm-hmm. at some moments. Even right. when she... Even when she is um, annoyed or frustrated, she still engages with him. Right. Um, as if she 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 kind of wants to know a little bit more about him because, oh, that's so funny. How can you not think the groundhog is cute? Like that's funny and interesting of you to yeah. be so ang- oh, yeah. to be so angry at a little creature. Oh, you're such a character, Phil. Yeah, which which I think, um, you know, doesn't make her a less dynamic character, I think it's an interesting character choice to make her so agreeable mm-hmm. um, that she is only kind of phased by him. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's, I, I think it's a good argument. So the, the, um, <laughs> I'm going to bring up feminism again. Um, thinking about like the gender politics angle, one mm-hmm. thing that occurred to me that would be a potential um, uh, crit- critique of this movie um, from sort of a, a social angle, is that Bill Murray, um, who, you know, at the time it was made in the early 90s in, in Western civilization, obviously being a male, is already privileged with more agency than the women around him in many ways. 
mm-hmm. uh, and that the situation the movie has placed them all into means he has vastly more agency than any of the women that he attempts and and apparently sometimes succeeds in sleeping with. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's a little problematic. But I think they score some of that back with uh, with Rita because she is cool as a cucumber. She is, you know, even when she's not in control because he is foreseeing things and able to mm-hmm. manipulate her, she still ultimately has enough control of the situation, enough agency to say no, as we mm-hmm. see a little bit later again and again and again to say no. <laughs> the slapping. Right. And she... she uh, you know, she can choose to believe him or not about what's going on, um, mm-hmm. which at various points in the movie she doesn't and then she does. And that's one mm-hmm. of my notes for day three is actually she she he's already telling her what's going on on day three. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no. And that's something I thought of, too, that helps soften that critique for me was that it didn't work. Those strategies. Right. Of his... I've, I've got that down, too. Yeah, so that's meaningful. It's not just that um, they didn't work for her, but oh, what am I trying to say? Yeah, like if the it would have been problematic if it had worked and she she was played as more naive than she was. Right. I appreciate the level of openness balanced with. Uh, her intuition and sense of what was going on. Yeah, no, I I like that they made her a generous soul, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) at the end of the day, wasn't going to be played by a charlatan. Right. Um, I I like that her (laughs) very, very sane advice actually is to see a doctor and get his head examined. Um, Right, like what else are you supposed to say? She barely knows him, to be honest. Yeah. Then we get Harold Ramis as the neurologist. (laughs) Which I mm-hmm. love. It's Egon. Mm-hmm. Which makes total sense, because there was that one time he tried to drill a hole through his head, but Peter stopped him. Oh, wrong I think movie. you're thinking of. <laughs> yes, I think I'm thinking of Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that the shrink he sees after that, um, <laughs> Bill Murray says, we went to college, right? Surely you had classes that talked about this kind of thing. And the shrink nods and says, sort of. Mm-hmm. Uh, abnormal psychology. Right. And that's still what that class is called today. Well, sure. The My my next note from day three is there's a lot of smoking indoors. Obviously, this Duh. movie was not from today. <laughs> yeah, so that's a good um, segue, because I, th- I believe it's the end of day three when he's drinking in the bowling alley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this was one of the moments where um, I was so struck by how how few of these scenes they have to do to still make these points meaningful. Mm-hmm. But this is one of the scenes where we get the most direct discussion of the stakes of the movie. Right, so, right. This is so, this is the first really philosophical moment. Yeah. I mean, we don't like I had brought up the his his moment in his monologue in in minute 1. Where do I want to be? You know, mm-hmm. that's a super subtle hint to us if we're listening for it. But in this conversation, he's at the bar with a couple of, we presume to be locals. Um, Well, and these are the two guys. I think these are the same two guys that earlier he called morons. Oh, you know, that could be. Uh, I don't know if that was in day three, but yeah, it was at the diner. He he said, Hey morons. I forget what he says. Your bus is leaving. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, yeah, your bus is leaving. Uh, and I've, I've got that down. I noticed that while I was watching because I said his morons give him the clue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's who he drags along on his... His first adventure. 
yeah, his first turning point. Um, yeah, because he's sitting there and he's finally articulating. <laughs> well, he starts with the anecdote about you know making love on on the beach at sunset and all night <laughs> with a beautiful be stuck woman. In that day? Why? Why not? That was a pretty good day, you know. Yeah. Um, but he goes on to say. Uh, you know, can you can you just imagine being stuck in the same place doing the same thing every day, and you know what's coming as soon as he says it. But mm-hmm. the the local barfly says that about sums it up for me. Right, right. <laughs> you know um, that. <laughs> yeah, that is the commentary on the on the plot. Like that's what we're doing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. And that's that's uh, you know it makes this obviously far fetched supernatural situation eminently relatable because you know in case anybody mm-hmm. missed it this is a metaphor <laughs> right right <laughs> um you know phil is phil is stuck in his life and his career and his personal life as so many of mm-hmm. you watching are we've just we've just made it a little uh, more literal because it's a movie yeah um yeah yeah i feel like we can just stop now we've popped the bubble yeah <laughs> i'm not gonna play by their rules anymore <laughs> Throwing caution to the wind. Yeah. 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 yeah so that's his, that's the, the, I think you could say the first phase before now he's been acclimating to this reality. Um, and now this first phase is <laughs> a disregard for rules, laws, and conventions, including not driving on the railroad tracks, to which <laughs> the one barfly says, that happens to be one I agree with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, he realizes, I'm drunk, but we are in trouble. <laughs> yeah, it, it occurred to me um, mm-hmm. a little bit later that there's two car chases in this movie, which seems kind of strange mm-hmm. when you think about what kind of movie it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the first one, and it ends with him knocking over the big groundhog sign. Mm-hmm. and uh pretending to order fast food mm-hmm. yeah so day four um this is he's excited because he's no longer in jail um <laughs> we end we end one day seeing the bars slamming shut in front of his face and then he wakes up and he's into it he's like yeah sweet awesome mm-hmm. so for the first time he's realized that this could be a blessing um, right. No limits. No limits. Uh, mm-hmm. He predicts questions. He pretends to be psychic. He's answering answering the uh, the bed and breakfast uh, owner, you know, before she asks mm-hmm. the question, uh, right. which is actually a shtick we'll see a little bit later, too, when he's playing Jeopardy. Oh, my gosh. In a very <laughs> different way. Yeah. Um, he gives her the kiss. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it says, says to the beggar, catch you tomorrow, which is, um, again, it's taking advantage of his situation. It's a cruel and terrible thing because he knows he won't be there tomorrow. He'll be back mm-hmm. here today, but it's like, you know, it's like, Hey, I can promise whatever I want for tomorrow. There's no consequence. Sure. Sure. Um, he avoids the puddle for the first time and watches somebody else step in it. Right. Right. That's a very striking, very small, but very striking moment. Um, right. And I think it's, it's. It's one of those perfect little things because not only is it showing us, okay, he's mastered the situation. He knows what's going on and how to turn it to his own ends. It's mm-hmm. also illustrating to us that he has mastered the situation, but he is still a douchebag because he doesn't say, hey, don't step in that. Right. The guy is right there. He's not, within a couple feet of each he's other. He's not just, oh, and I, I missed one. He punches Ned. Isn't this the one where he punches Ned? Uh, it could be. Yeah, <laughs> Phil, yeah. Ned, pow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and then, he, yep, I do have it in my notes. He punches Ned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so so not only does he punch Ned, he then just lets somebody walk in the puddle. Right, which is uh, a good indicator of this stage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, so it's kind of funny. One one moment on this day that um, I was drawn to was uh, he's walking with Rita and starts asking the questions that will help him, you know, sort of plug in information later on subsequent days. Right. Um, but it it feels very genuine when he says, well, I'm just trying to talk how normal people talk. Like, isn't this how they do it? Like, can't I just... <laughs> and she says, it's close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's skeptical. She's great. She's mm-hmm. skeptical. Um, but at first, before you realize that he really is just collecting data, um, yeah. like, it almost seems like he's... And I, and I guess that's very savvy now that I'm thinking about it. Um to let us think that it's going to be a genuine, right. well, generous gesture. And honestly, like, I, I would almost give him a tiny bit of credit here. Because he plays out the conversation, mm-hmm. like, his, as she's listing her traits, like, what she would see in as an ideal man. And he's jokingly uh-huh. saying, you know, she's like, be generous and kind. And he's like, me, also me. Right. You know, he's got everything except for he doesn't love animals and he doesn't play any musical instrument, or so he claims mm-hmm. to have everything. But he's <laughs> he's jokingly being egotistical. It's obvious he knows he's joking. It's obvious he knows she knows he's joking. Like it's totally just flirting. And it's yeah, something playful. it's something we don't see throughout the rest of the manipulative sequence, you know, his his first mm-hmm. run up to getting slapped by Rita. Mm-hmm. Um obviously he has to play out the rest of those days each time he screws it up. But like in that those very first few moments, he's genuinely in the moment and just having the conversation and just flirting with her like he would if you yeah, were trying to yeah. be only slightly nicer than normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I do think I do think it is the beginning of the manipulative, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what I was thinking, I kept thinking of the word curiosity, and I think that grows throughout. Um, he starts to because before he does not seem to be interested in anything in the world you know, when we first meet him, um, except sort of getting through experiences. Um, but it's the first time that he has this sort of awakening of curiosity of any type. And it turns out to, turns out, um, it becomes something manipulative. But yeah, I think we can, we can give him a little bit of credit. Actually, I think, I think we might have, I think we might have gone slightly out of sequence here too. Cause aren't we, uh, isn't it, is before we get to, the scene where he asks Rita, because he starts with Rita by saying, like, what if you only had one day to live? You know, hmm. he starts it philosophically. So um, I... But doesn't, doesn't, he, doesn't he do... Um, play the game with Nancy first? It could be. I don't have Nancy in this part. So I'm at minute 44 when he says, I'm just trying to talk how normal people talk. Right, right. I think, I think, I think he plays the game with Nancy first. He pulls he pulls a smaller version of the game he's going to pull on Rita. He asks her, he sees her in the diner and asks her a series of questions. You know, where she went to high school, who she had senior year English with or whatever, mm-hmm. um, what her name is. And then the next day, the next morning, he feigns knowing her. And like I said earlier, she pretends to know him, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, out of, you know. But then we get, then we get the clue about Rita, about how he feels about Rita, because they're making out and he keeps <laughs> saying Rita instead of Nancy. Right, right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's too funny. Yeah, and and again, we know several more days pass after this, because I've also got down my notes, after that's when he robs the armored car, something that obviously he planned many days. Mm-hmm. Um, also very funny. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Timing it out out loud. <laughs> Ten, nine, eight, 
car. Car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he's got it down to the second, so he's been doing that for a while. Mm-hmm, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but yeah, and I, and then we're in the conversation we're just talking about with Rita at the beginning of the manipulation montage. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I the thing that I was thinking about with this with the manipulation montage, you know, he he finds out her favorite drink, then the next time through the loop, he's ordering it, you mm-hmm. know, the same thing for himself. Finds out what she likes to toast to, then the next time through the loop, he's toasting. Um, the thing I was thinking about beforehand is is what she accuses him of at the end about, like, calling her friends, finding out what she likes. And it mm-hmm. occurs to me, two things I think about this. Number one, this would be way easier today um, because of Facebook. <laughs> and And actually, the ruse with Nancy wouldn't have worked because of Facebook. Um, the internet, like it would be very easy if she thought there might be somebody she forgot from a class, she could pretty easily check on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe she's so naive she wouldn't even that that could doubt be him. that could be. Yeah. Uh, but on the other hand, what his game on Rita would work way better today because he wouldn't even have to go through the loop to get a lot of that information. Mm-hmm. Depending on how yeah. her privacy settings on Facebook. Oh God, which yeah, and see my sort of dismissal is like, well, maybe Nancy's too naive to doubt him. Then my my rebuttal with Rita also is she wouldn't be silly enough to have it all public. Right. Not that there are still not ways, but I I think you would just have to explain it better right. if it were today. Yeah, yeah. no, I hear you. Yeah, I hear you. And just in general, like the entire there's there's a, a in the modern era there's a really kind of like seduction community vibe to the entire game he's playing on Rita. No matter how genuine yeah. he is, like it's it is obviously like you know he is trying to seduce her, he is trying to manipulate her, yeah, um, yeah. and and like you said earlier, I think rightly so. The only thing that saves the movie at this point uh, for modern eyes is that it doesn't work. Yeah, no, and something that I noticed to that end is that we get little tiny glimpses where it's almost like Rita breaks through some sort of plane and and senses what's going on. I don't know. Mm. And maybe it's just that she is, she's skeptical. And so, of course, when she gets a weird feeling, she brings it up. And, right. But I almost get a sense that we're supposed to think that there's something special about her, that she's almost aware mm-hmm. that something is different in a very different right. way. There's, so I'm thinking that, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's um, uh, one of the, a bit of trivia on Wikipedia, one of the alternate, uh, alternate script ideas that, I don't know at what stage it got axed, but thankfully it mm-hmm. got axed, was when they awaken, when he finally gets to move on to February 3rd, they were going to discover that Rita was stuck in her own loop on February 3rd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I saw that. Which is and, a terrible no, no. idea. Right. No, no, no. It's not in the scope of what I think the movie does. <laughs> no, it would, it would, yeah, that would make this a kind of a terrible movie, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, also, uh, when they're dancing, uh, so... When he gets the date to near perfection, um, I also I also have a note here that it is slightly admirable in a way, in that he is pursuing a perfect day that she will think is perfect. Like he's doing it for himself. He's he's being mm-hmm. he's being a jerk here. But like, there's mm-hmm. something kind of nice about this this idea that he has spent months trying to mm-hmm. make what she will think is a perfect day. And I think that's what the turning point is. Is when he starts doing things for the right reasons, he gets the results he wanted in the first place. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and the when we see the night go as far as it's ever going to go, um, two notes. When they're dancing, uh, mm-hmm. they get the gazebo or whatever it is, um, the song that's playing is You Don't Know Me. <laughs> 
Um, hmm. which is interesting, uh, cause you know, <laughs> the entire point of this is he thinks he does. Um, mm-hmm. and then his insistence at the end of the night that they keep going gets super creepy. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course it, as that montage wraps up, it falls apart because he gets impatient. Um, he starts to be awkward and manic and he gets slapped a lot. I wrote yeah, down seriously. slappy montage. <laughs> Mm-hmm. This movie is a montage of montages. Pretty much. Roll the montage montage. Montages all the way down. Mm-hmm. Ding. <laughs> this is the show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then once once he has given up, we have the slow-mo, very loud 559 flipping over to six. Mm-hmm. Um, now he's depressed. Yeah. He yeah, is an yeah, amazing yeah. Jeopardy player. Mm-hmm. But uh, not it's not happy. <laughs> no, no. Freezing their butts off, waiting to worship a rat. Mm-hmm. Cold and gray <laughs> and lasts you the rest of your life. <laughs> oh, you my want, God. You want the forecast? Yeah. Um, <laughs> then we have the clock-smashing montage. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is a montage of montages. Uh, I don't see any way out. He has the morning where he decides he's going to have to... Have to uh, Ended himself. I like when he parts uh, with Rita before he goes to kidnap Punxsutawney Phil. Um, mm-hmm. He says, I just want you to remember we had a beautiful day here once. And yeah. gives her a peck on oh her cheek. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. And then we have our second car chase of the mm-hmm. romantic comedy. Uh, and his first death as he goes over a cliff into a quarry. And Maybe he's okay. <laughs> boom. No, probably not now. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, I, also, yeah. I also wrote down at this point, even though he is a complete dick and I don't really like his character, this is probably my favorite work that Chris Elliott has ever done <laughs> as Larry, the camera guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Larry to be confused with guy. Larry, the cable guy. Different things. Yeah. So this is jumping ahead a bit because I thought of it at minute 91. Mm-hmm. What is this movie supposed to say about poor Larry? <laughs> you know? I think, I think, uh, <laughs> I'm going to steal another line from The Incomparable. Um, oh, my God. Someone pointed out on there that, that like, Larry, you sympathize with as, like, you know, the camera guy, the the, the helper, the off-screen guy who's just schlepping stuff around and, and you know, taking crap from Phil. Mm-hmm. But by the end of the movie, he seems like kind of a dirtbag, and he does not play very well at all in the in the party at the end. Um, right, yeah, I'm thinking of the auction. Right, and I think... Think I think that Larry just is he's kind of a he's kind of a sleazeball, he's kind of a dirtbag, he's kind of a loser, and he just seems to play worse and worse because Phil is getting better, and we're coming around to liking him even though he was he was a dick at the beginning of the movie. Hmm. I don't know that I would ever use as strong a language as to say he's a dirtbag though. Well, I, the way he is a, see, know. the way he is with Nancy at the end, I think puts I it over suppose. the top for me. Um, and that's not to say that Phil was not a hundred thousand times worse because Phil is mm-hmm. using omnipotence to manipulate her into mm-hmm. doing his bidding and doing yeah, him probably. And, mm-hmm. and I'm not suggesting that Larry as a human deserves more. That's not a thing. Right. Um, that's not how interpersonal relationships work. Um, <laughs> right. Not that like Nancy should have been interested in the back of the van because no, no, no and it, especially no. today like that. Like, oh yeah, that language, line. that language just says a whole world of that line Law and Order SVU that I don't even want yeah. to think about. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, so anyway, yeah. 
I just dis- mm-hmm. I mostly dislike Larry. <laughs> <laughs> and I forgot how much like I I because it's been so long since I watched it, and this time I was like you know watching watching it. I don't think I ever really like I just thought he was kind of a loser before, but mm-hmm. this time through. And I one of the things that's coming up here. So now we're into yeah you know, after the first death he wakes up he says on oh, nuts. Then we're into the suicide montage. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have the toaster in the bathtub stepping in front of a truck jumping off a building. Again we get three. Um, four if you count going off the cliff, but that was kind of a different thing. That was him learning about death not being a way out. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> when we see Larry uh, and and Rita going to identify him, he says, Larry says, he was a really, really great guy. I really liked, liked him. And mm-hmm. a few scenes ago, he was like, oh, yeah, there's all kinds of things wrong with that guy. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, you don't want to speak ill hmm. of the dead, but it, I think that was... Those two were so close together, specifically because, you know, Larry's two-faced. We don't want to, hmm. we don't want to trust Larry as being a good judge of character. Yeah. Maybe next rewatching, I'll have to think. Yeah. I feel, mm-hmm. I feel like what he said to the mortician about Phil being a great guy was for Rita's benefit, because he's, you know, trying to oh, give yeah. comfort. Oh, totally. In a, I want to put my arm around you way. Huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'll have to rewatch. Yeah. For that. <clears throat> and this is also mm-hmm. where I note that montages in this movie tend to have around three things in them, and then we move on. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. And then the diner mm-hmm. scene. I'm a god. Yeah. Not the yeah. god. Mm-hmm. So what I – one thing that I, I glommed on to, and we alluded to it in a previous conversation, but Rita and her just beaming warmth says – you know, maybe it's not a curse. Maybe it just depends on how you look at it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, which, which Rita, because we know more about her than just that single line. Um, I know she just, she doesn't just mean it in a blindly optimistic way. I think she means it in an empathetic way. Like, yeah, like if I did that, I, I would have lots of things I would want to do. And, and don't you feel that, that freedom too? You, there's so many things you can do. You right. Know? Um, she means it sincerely and not in a flat way. Yeah. I think this also, this scene has, um, one of the first of many, (laughs) perhaps too easy to read into it, self-helpy messages, not just seeing it as a blessing, but, Mm -hmm. uh, when he says maybe the real God needs tricks or maybe he's not omnipotent, he's just been around so long that he knows everything. Yeah, I like that a lot. I like that I, one. I really, what, how I, do you hear it? The, what I hear in that is something that I was thinking about before we even began about a lesson of the movie. Uh, and in support of Harold Ramis's crazy and frightening 10 to 40 years estimates for how long <laughs> oh this God. goes on, mm. um, which is super depressing. I'm going to try not to think about that next time I watch it, that this is going on for 40 years. Um, but <clears throat> that it, it, you know, in, in, by the end of the movie, he's having a perfect day and he's doing all this great stuff and he knows all these people. Um, even though he just arrived and they're all marveling at him, mm-hmm. it, he had to invest real time to do that. Yeah. You know, yeah. the, 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 <laughs> the, um, recently much maligned, but, but still probably much more prevalent 10,000 hours theory of, you know, expertise. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you know, he put in the time, um, to get this way. And he didn't choose to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just got stuck there. But I think it's it's ultimately a hopeful message of the movie that, like, you know, the way you become really good at things and the way you get to know people <laughs> and the way you become of service is you put in the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like you're saying, that is the whole thing is this movie is about life, not about something supernatural that happened to one guy. Right. Exactly. Like, this exactly. is life. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, and to, to come back to the, the timeline of the loop, um, something that I thought about as soon as I was doing that research was I appreciate the, and that's a fun thought experiment. Um, but at the, by the end of the movie, I don't think as viewers we're supposed to think that or think about it. I don't think they want us to believe it was years. Oh, they don't no, no, do no. It well, and way. I, I yeah. think, yeah, I think, again, as a kid, I always thought it was months. Um, right. As a grown-up watching it, I could totally believe it's years. But I wouldn't think it's mm. decades, you know? See, I, I, still don't think it, I still don't think it's years either because I don't think we're supposed to think that. Well, the, the only reason I think we might be supposed to think that is... Might be supposed to think that. I'm... <laughs> no, that's exactly what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only reason I think that might be what we are supposed to think is that Harold Ramis himself is in support of 10 to 40 years. And he makes the point about things like piano. Um, like to become that proficient at piano starting from mm-hmm. scratch, he would need a long, long time. And I, I think mm-hmm. that might have been... Like, that might be baked in. Now, I don't think it's quite, again, this might be facts, not in evidence. Aside from piano, I don't know that there's anything to suggest it's years. I'm just saying I I would believe a year or two or three watching the movie. Mm. I mean, it's definitely definitely mm. many months. Mm -hmm. Yeah, see, I think I'm going to keep pushing on it. Like, I think, um, and I'm trying to think of a good example of where the filmmakers must have known that the audience was going to realize that something was not actually possible, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't matter. You need to think of it in the context of the thing. Right. Right. Um, The rules of this universe. Yeah. Yeah. So in the rules of this universe, it does only take him a couple of months because he's obsessive. Yeah. Well, and I will, I I will say though, um, it, it can't possibly be just a couple months because the days that have been alluded to, number too many to even be 38 you know what i mean and like there are things he didn't start doing until he'd obviously been at this for weeks um, yeah but like saving I, saving the kid who falls from the tree you know or or how many times he's seen heidi which again i forget wait, the number but, but what ab- what about that tells you it's more than four months oh I, well, I was saying it's more than a couple of months i think it's mm-hmm. even more than four months so i think just if he's telling the truth and obviously it doesn't have to be but i and i should look up we should look up how many times he said he's seen Heidi too. Um, but <laughs> yeah. that alone, I think, was like 50. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I mm. do feel like, I feel like a year, a, a year could be read into the movie without too much stretching. But is that not too depressing for what the movie's trying to do? No, no, I don't think it is. Um, hmm. I think a year is kind of the upper limits of depressing, of, of not depressing. <laughs> I think, I, when I think about 10 years, I start to get depressed. When I think about 40 years, I start to lose my mind. Like, I, this becomes a super depressing movie, and I can't believe mm. he did anything but become a psychopath and stay there forever. <laughs> um, and, like, mm. the 10,000 years thing, I, I, <laughs> that, well, is the, and, that would be the world's be, most depressing movie. To be fair, that's not something we can imaginatively relate to right. anyway. It, well, it, that, I mean, exactly. We might as well say a million. And that's, and that's kind of the, that's, that's why it's depressing and, and maddening to think about. I think mm-hmm. a year is the upper limit of where it's not depressing mm-hmm. to think that a guy was stuck for a year and working on his life for a year and having these realizations over a year, I think is both realistic. And also mm-hmm. it's like, it's still within a space that I could believe this didn't drive him completely insane or make him yeah. an awful person. 
So I guess that's like Rita said, it's how you look at it. Because what you just said, <laughs> for real though, because what you just said was a very hopeful thing. Mm-hmm. But if we if we use words like stuck or imprisoned, mm-hmm. um, yeah, a year seems seems interminable. Sure. But if you yeah. say he worked on the way you said it was he worked on his life for a year. When right. you put it that way, it's like oh my god, people do that all the time. Right. That's well, great. Here's the other thing. I think in some of these montages, I mean, again, we we have at least seven deaths mentioned. If we count the ones mm-hmm. mentioned, you know, we only see like four. Um, mm-hmm. You know, almost everything in this movie is presumably multiplied. Like his his building up to the perfect date with Rita, building mm-hmm. up to the first slap in the face. Right. Well, the first one he doesn't ask for. He asks for one at Gobbler's Knob when he's first figuring out what's going on. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I also, again, economy, shorthand, I think most of the montages are meant to be a suggestion of many more days passing. You know, oh, yeah, he, they're standing in for it. He probably yeah. practiced the bank thing for a week or two or three to get it down to a science and managed to walk away with the money and nobody even noticed that he walked up. Mm-hmm. Um, he probably took many more notes and blew many more chances with Rita throughout that night, building up to the one where he gets her to his room mm-hmm. and gets smacked right. the first time. But um, we know that because by the last one... He's manic and frustrated, you know? right? So we, it's implied. Yeah. 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 Oh, totally, totally. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, but that's what I'm saying is, I think, I think if you really go through and add up all of the things that weren't being done in parallel, like there's nothing to suggest he was having any of these repeat experiences on the same day. He wasn't going to see Heidi too every day that he was also working on Rita necessarily. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we have to take the movie as being chronological, and I think that spins it out to many months. Hmm. Um, which yes could yeah. be very depressing. <laughs> the mm-hmm. uh, the other thing we can we can move forward. I think in time again here, um, maybe move forward fairly fairly quickly too. Because <laughs> what that makes me think of is something much later at the end when he builds up to the perfect day. Mm-hmm. We skip a lot of time. I think. Yeah, where yeah. he's going around town and finding these people. We only see him save them the last time. Right. You know, after... after The the fruits of his labor. Right. Um, So one thing I noted... So so he has the the I am God diner scene. um, And a note I have there that I think is important is he's giving her the truth. He's being sincere. He's pleading and she stays. Um, And I I really like the scene. Like, he's like, he's going to come in here and try to take you away from me. Please don't go. And he gives her the note that has exactly what Larry's about to say. Right. Um, I love that moment. Um, Uh... I think, and I think we're supposed to think that the day he tells her the truth, truth day is only one day that he doesn't mm-hmm. do that more than once. Mm-hmm. The structure of the movie means we're never going to be sure. <laughs> but I like to think it's only one day. Like he never played mm-hmm. that out multiple times. Mm-hmm. Possibly because that scene at, at the end of it is too painful. Mm. Oh, there's a, you know what? He makes another comment that makes me think it's a year. The card flipping trick. What does he say about flipping cards into the hat? He knows how long it six it would months, take Rita. four to five hours a day. You'll be an expert. Mm-hmm. Which again, I mean, just like how many times he's seen Heidi too. He might be exaggerating to be funny, but I think mm-hmm. it's suggestive. Yeah, I like when he's giving his little speech. He says, "The worst part is you'll forget all of this tomorrow." Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and then I made a note about the music that's over the um, the scene when he's in bed talking to her and bearing his soul to her sleeping unconscious mm-hmm. self. Uh, that the music that's underneath it, 
the the sort of sad and longing music is ever so slightly Christmassy. <laughs> I thought. Yeah, no, no, I heard that too. Yeah, um, and then I was listening to make sure it wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> like wait a second. Yeah, I don't, There's I don't think it is, guns. but yeah, it it evoked a lot of my Pandora mm-hmm. instrumental Christmas stations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, in the the end of that. Um, I think marks his next his next turn. Right. Um, well, the very next morning is he sees the old man and like sees him for the first time and gives mm-hmm. him a wad of cash. Mm-hmm. And he brings coffee yeah. and, and breakfast. He's early. Mm-hmm. This is the first time we don't hear Phil over here. Where have you been? Right. He's helpful. He's proactive. Mm-hmm. He acts invested in the process. Yeah. Right. I think I think um, here he's been inspired by Rita saying, "Take it as a blessing." Mm-hmm. Yeah, he acknowledges Larry. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, so... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like the buongiorno, the greeting to the man in the hallway. Um, <laughs> and that he, the man is just so tickled by that. Yeah. It's so lovely. And he learns, he decides to learn ice sculpture, uh, mm-hmm. which, again, <laughs> stack that on top of piano. It's pretty Christmassy. <laughs> Very Christmassy. Um, he freaks out Ned. <laughs> <laughs> with this mm-hmm. creepy hug and oh my god yeah. i love it yeah love it and i think um when he sees the old man later so we see the scene at night he sees the old man shivering and the mm-hmm. old man is happy to see him and obviously some more days have gone by so clearly he's giving the money to the old man every day so his pattern has been established like he's going around helping the same people every day by now mm-hmm. um maybe not a lot but at least he's probably bringing coffee every morning you know uh, in the hospital, he gets this, some, sometimes people just die from the nurse, and he says, not yeah. today. Yeah. Um, no, there's so much futility in that line. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the place where Phil's at, he's not going to accept these bad things as inevitable. He's going to approach them as things that are malleable. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I love when he is, there's, there's very little, um, I think there's relatively little theology in the philosophy mix in this movie. But I do love the scene where he finally gives up. He finally realizes he's never going to save the old man. But when he's defeated, he tears up and he looks up. Hmm. And he's kind of got this why God expression on his face. And I really like that moment. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost like for this character, the stakes have never, like the situation had never been in front of him to bother to think about his own well, not that he hasn't thought about his own beliefs, but that um, he's never been pushed to that limit to where he's really right. questioning the futility of whatever. Yeah. Right, right. Um, and another, here we, here we are back to economy. What's the next shot after he's defeated? Do you remember? Uh, apparently my notes don't look like your notes, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, if they did, then you would be crazy. Oh <laughs> um, so the very next shot, uh, and I noted that it's the next shot, not just it's the next note. I said next shot is when Chekhov looked out at the winter, um, the very next scene is the start of the perfect day. Mm. So everything that transpired in building up, like, to where he could save everyone else in the town. You know, he couldn't save the old man, but he can save everybody else. Mm-hmm. All of the time spent figuring that out and becoming, you know, Phil Connors, the hero of Puxatani. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't see any of that. We are at the start of the actual, like, the day that he got it all mm-hmm. right. Um, he gives his great speech <laughs> about 
winter and Punxsutawney. Right. How much he loves it all. And all of the other cameras and microphones of all mm-hmm. the other TV stations are yeah, on yeah, him. Yeah. He's riveting um, them all. Yeah. And Rita Rita and, wants to ask him to coffee. He's ready. Yeah, right. she she realizes an interest. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. She and and um again, agency. Like she she makes her move as mm-hmm. well. And he's not doing um, it for her. Mm-hmm. Right. He's he's past that. Like he still he still loves her. He still wants her. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's not what this is about mm-hmm. anymore. Uh and then uh, we have the saving people montage mm-hmm. uh with three items. You never thank me. <laughs> He catches the kid. <laughs> what do you say? What do you say? <laughs> You've never thanked me. I'll see you tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Oh, uh, he's the auto club mm-hmm. guy for the, the motor club guy for the old ladies who get a flat. And he saves Buster from choking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Larry is striking out with Nancy. So again, it was a montage of only three <laughs> things. Um, of course, we uh, once again, we hear about a lot more because everyone at the party, you know, they, they're talking about... Uh, going to the party and Rita mentions Phil and Nancy says, Phil Connors. I think he's already in (laughs) there. Another sort of moment of change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, here I find, uh, a second self-healthy lesson. Um, so he's, he's the hero of Puxatani. Everybody knows him. Everybody loves him. He's done all these great Mm -hmm. things. This is actually something I thought about this time through that I don't know that I've ever thought about Mm -hmm. before. If they do stick around town, what's he going to do the next day? Cause he's not going to know where to go to be of service. Um, but he's already fostered his relationships. Right. And, well, and the other, the, uh, the thing that occurred to me this time through watching it is there is actually still, I think, a good lesson here if we want to be like the let's take fiction and use it for life lessons route. Uh, in that, like, all he's been doing, yeah, he knows where to show up because he's done it already. But mm-hmm. all he's doing is he is showing up and seeing what's actually going on and seeing what he can do, you know, engaging and seeing what he can do to be of mm-hmm. service. Um, you know, and if that is his MO for the rest of his life, he's going to be a lot nicer and happier and more successful and more helpful of a guy, even if he doesn't have the omnipotent advanced knowledge, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? So I, I at once found this viewing, um, less hopeful for his future in Punxsutawney and then I resolved it and felt (laughs) hopeful again. Oh, good. Tied it up in a little bow. Yeah. Yeah, but in addition to, you know, putting in the time also in just the way he conducted his day, he was saying yes to, to whatever situation was at hand. Hmm. whoever was around that needed him he's like okay i'm gonna engage with this and make stuff happen mm-hmm. for them the bachelor auction i wrote 339 dollars and 88 cents down <laughs> yeah and the the ice sculpture scene um so at the end of the night once they leave the leave the party he's sculpting her in ice and says i know your face so well and all that mm-hmm. it makes me wonder how many times has he come to this point because it mm. feels kind of like once, like when we get to the end of mm-hmm. the end of the day and then he wakes up, like you want to feel like it's just the once, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to think that he's had this, this date with Rita after the party over mm-hmm. and over again. Because nothing, it doesn't feel stale. No, it doesn't feel stale. It doesn't feel manipulative. It just seems like he's a craftsman at work and right. we get to see it for the first time when she does. Yeah, yeah. So I like to think, I mean, there's no reason not to think that he hasn't come to this point already, mm-hmm. but I like to think that he has not. Yeah, because this um, is the culmination. And in fact, that this, mm-hmm. right, and in fact, maybe on the perfect day, this is the first time he's played the piano at the party, mm-hmm. you know? I, I don't know at what point, like, I guess what I'm saying is, I don't know at what point the perfect day becomes the perfect right. day, like when he achieves the level that makes it happen, right. but what's, yeah, what's I the like to think thing? it's before this yeah. point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. 
and he <laughs> he says, I love you again, and it's interesting that it's not creepy this time. I mean, obviously, it's not creepy to us because we know what's been going on, mm-hmm. but Rita doesn't find it creepy either. No, her... Which is interesting. Her response is so... Um, I, I keep saying it, but it's so striking, the way she handles it. And it's it's interesting that she has... I mean, we... and You know, it's movie shorthand. She's fallen for him, so it's fine. But mm-hmm. uh, at the same time, like, that was where he blew it on date. Mm-hmm. You know, was telling her he loved her. Right, because he that proved it. to be like the mistake that undid the whole mm-hmm. thing. Um. So anyhow, I thought that was interesting because this is the first time she's hearing mm-hmm. it, and for her, it's just been a day. Mm-hmm. Um. And I do like the, the very philosophical. You know, I know no matter what happens tomorrow, I'm happy now. Right. Um. Wikipedia mentions that as they kiss, it starts snowing. Uh, and I noticed I like I hadn't read the Wikipedia yet, but I mm-hmm. wrote down that like I like that as they kiss, the music changes and it starts snowing. Mm-hmm. Um, but Wikipedia mentions that the snow is meant to be a because we never saw the snow start any of the other nights that he's hung out with Rita, yeah. and that that's a clue that something has changed. Yeah, yeah, because you know that the storm is going to reach Punxsutawney because it was on its way when they were trying to leave the first time. Yeah, right. But that's but and, now we and that's, see. It. I mean, yeah, you're right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I, I didn't, I'd never noticed that before. I mean, I noticed the snow falling. I thought it was a nice, I just thought it was a nice romantic, you know, Christmassy <laughs> touch. Mm-hmm. Anyhow. We knew that the uh, Grinch's heart had grown. I mean, Phil's heart had grown. I mean. Right. Yeah. Scrooge was, wait. <laughs> what, what day is it, lad? It's February but 3rd, he does so. that. Oh my God. So funny. Um, uh, um, mm-hmm. so we get the fake out clock, clock flipping one more time with the same mm-hmm. song. Phil wakes up and then I like that, that, uh, that she reaches, Rita reaches across him almost at the same time that we hear the voices saying something different. Yeah. So we know like, wait, oh my gosh, yes, it's real. Yeah. yeah. Like we don't even get a chance to process. Like, it's not like, oh wait, are they saying something different? It's like, no, all at once, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Hit over the head with something's different. And it takes him a mm-hmm. moment. But one of one of the lines <clears throat> in that moment when he's realizing did the same double work for me that that opening line about where do I want to be? Um, because mm-hmm. he says this could be real. And he means... <laughs> I didn't yeah, think yeah. of that. That's so good. He, so he means... I didn't write that down. You're here. It could be real that I'm out of the loop. Or right. it could mean right. the things I have learned can enrich the rest of my life. <laughs> but yeah, I, the lines I wrote down is "today is tomorrow." <laughs> Do you know what today is? Today is tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, which I day. which I like. Um, it's it's a nice you know the self helpy time management to you know tomorrow never comes thing. Well, <laughs> today is tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I did write down anything different is good. Yeah, because um, I like that mm-hmm. one. Um, and I do like when they go outside, uh, the second to last, I guess, paragraph, he says, um, they kiss and he says, is there anything I can do for you today? Mm-hmm. Which I think is, is showing, yes, he did learn his lesson. He is the guy who's going to show up and see what mm-hmm. he can do. Yeah. I think um, one of the, if we're, if we'd have to name lessons, I think the last couple of scenes tell us he has learned to be present. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think my big two um, are, uh, and of course the last thing he says is, it's so beautiful, let's live here. 
We'll rent to Star. Yeah. Oh my god. Charming. Um yeah, I which I which I like. Uh the 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 two big ones I think are obviously, I mean, one that that is so blatant it almost doesn't need to be said. So of course I'm going to say it. Um I'm going to max explain. Mm. Um is uh is he was stuck until he took the focus off of himself, mm-hmm. which everyone has pointed out and, you know. Um but it's a big mm-hmm. one. Cause, and that's, I think that, I think that one is, again, I hate to be the guy who's like, let's look at fiction and then draw life lessons. Well, I mean, what else are we supposed to do with that? Yeah. (laughs) Read it, enjoy it, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I think the big one is like, you know, when you are completely stuck, take the focus off of yourself. And I don't think that's bad advice for life Mm -hmm. either. When he took the focus off of himself, he got unstuck. One. Uh, and the other one I would say, which is kind of a silly one to draw out because it was a movie about him having limitless time. Um, is that time is really, really precious because there is, and, and maybe I'm just saying this because I was still in high school the first time I saw it, but there is definitely like an interminable school days kind of feeling to a lot of this. Even interminable repetitive time is super precious. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the years we, we, sometimes think of as wasting, you know, in elementary school or, or doing the same thing with the same people over and over mm-hmm. again is immensely valuable time that like, even though he was stuck in this rut, um, on what he was thinking of initially as the worst day of his life. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, I think, especially growing up feel like, you know, and maybe even now, you know, as an adult in their jobs yeah. feel like what they're in is the worst day of their life repeated over and mm-hmm. over again. Even that was super valuable. He found people to help. He found skills to develop. Mm-hmm. He found ways to entertain himself. Um, you know, even even what feels like interminable wasted time is really, really valuable mm-hmm. if you're using it right. Well, and there's a certain freedom when you accept the things you can't control about your circumstances. Um, mm-hmm. And that's how he got more out of the day was he stopped thinking about it um, in the ways he had been. Um, mm. And he got more out of it as a result. Yeah, what I'm thinking about, and I don't have a, um, and what, you know, I think it's related, um, especially because they physically go to another place for all this to happen. And then that mm-hmm. comment at the end, let's live here, um, mm-hmm. which um, I, I don't necessarily know that he means literally that, but I think it signals that he realizes um the location, either psychological, where he is in his career, or physical, do I have to go to Podunk Punxsutawney again? Doesn't, doesn't, <laughs> I think it's him signaling that he, he knows that that doesn't matter as much anymore as what you do where you are. Like you've said, um, yeah. you've been using the, the metaphor of showing up, like I'm gonna be the person mm-hmm. who's there for someone else. Um, right. I think the, yeah, the double meaning of place there is really important. Um, yeah, that's a really good yeah. point. Yeah, especially because it's, you know, the movie could have started in Punxsutawney. We could mm-hmm. have even, I think I saw this somewhere even, it could have started on day one. Right, um, right. There's a There was a mm-hmm. version of the script that started when, while the events mm-hmm. were already unfolding. But I like the symbology of starting in Pittsburgh, right, where the station is. Um, right. And they, they go to Punxsutawney. He goes to a place that he loathes, full of people that he loathes, um, and mm-hmm. that that's where this work must happen. Um, I think that, yeah. yeah, I think that's important. 
Yeah, it, I don't. Yeah, it's if he had not been stuck, if he'd been stuck somewhere even tolerable, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, by his standards at the beginning, right. I don't. I don't think it would have been as effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's you know maybe one one more lesson I'll pull out mm-hmm. at least. Uh, <laughs> I think it it's it definitely says something for um, the way we prejudge things and and what happens as we get to know mm-hmm. things. Uh, and again, I I think this is a very real phenomenon. As you become familiar with things, familiarity doesn't breed contempt. It you know you like the things you've seen before. You like the people that you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he actually took time to get to know these people, they might not be his people. Mm-hmm. You know. They might not have what he thinks of as his interests um, or his background, but once he gets to know mm-hmm. them, he does like them. He loves them, and he helps elevate their situations in their own way. Right? Um, oh yeah, know. totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So that it's and I I can't think of the phrase I want, but something like it's not where you are, but who you're with. You know. Um, right. Well, and it's 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 not where you are, but whether or not you're you're really there. It's not where you, to, to your yeah. point about being present. It's not where you, know? you are. It's don't be a. <laughs> I was gonna drop the f bomb. <laughs> don't be an effing dick. <laughs> Can that right. be on your... <laughs> It's not where you are, we'll but see. cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm gonna cut all of this out. This could be real. <laughs> I think this went very well, though. Yeah. Oh, good film. Good podcast. Mm-hmm. You want to do it again tomorrow? Thank you very much for listening to the first episode of Priority. Once again, if you want to read show notes for this episode, you can find them online at priority.fm slash one. If you enjoyed the podcast today, please go to iTunes and rate it and leave us a positive review. Also, share it on your social networks, Twitter, Facebook, or wherever you meet with friends online. That will help us find new listeners, and it will help you maintain your image as somebody who knows about cool, useful new things. Well, new things anyways. But as, as a Midwesterner... Um, Weather is all we have. No, 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 no. I wasn't even talking about... <laughs> what? Oh, my God. <laughs>